If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome back to Tales of What. My name is Luke Condor with a K. This is my what. Did you know that Bizarro Fiction found its start in the weirdo petri dish that is Portland, Oregon? But like any self-actualizing ball of bacteria, the genre soon swallowed its makers whole and decided it is going to take over the world. It's inclusive, this beast, and it wants everybody to climb inside and add to its swelling mass. It's the genre that makes insiders of the outsider. It makes people who like weird shit find other people who like weird shit. And people, when they discover the genre, they just want to get involved. Be it to evangelize or to create or maybe just to whisper into the ears of those willing to listen. And here we are many years after the genre first coughed out its first piece of literature. Uh, the, The genre's roots are still deep in Portlandia, but it can now be found all over the world. There's a there's a bizarro con in Spain. There's uh, a whole scene in Australia. There's a lot of authors in Australia now. There are pockets of infection all over the globe, including one beneath my very feet. See, not long after I got into the genre, I looked around to see who was making this stuff, and I found the British bizarro community, a cool little tight-knit group of bizarro creators. And I thought, why not? Let's spend an episode sharing some of our very specifically weird tasting English spam so yeah sorry better answer this hello 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 is that Luke yeah yeah is that Luke oh yeah go on right well uh, I guess it starts with a man who finds a face in a slice of toast no it started before that it starts with a man waking up making coffee and then finding a face in a slice of toast. It doesn't look like Jesus or anything. It looks like the man's old teacher from school. The one who said he was stupid in front of the whole class because he didn't know the German for the number 10. It's Zane, by the way. Anyway, the face in the toast didn't talk much at first, but it did eat. It liked onions. The rawer, the better. The man fed the face and the toast all the onions he could find, and when the thing opened its mouth, everybody in his office started to cry. Yes, the man took the toast with the face and the onion breath to work. He worked in an office. Nobody cared about a piece of toast. But they did start to cry, like I said, and when they asked why they were crying, the man just said it's because of the times, global warming and that. 
and they agreed and cried some more and sang a song together to raise their spirits. So the man says to the toaster, you got to speak sometime, otherwise this whole relationship is way too one-sided, and the toast doesn't say anything. Of course it doesn't, because it's just a piece of toast. But it does eat. And that night when the man falls asleep next to the piece of toast, he hears those children in that classroom laughing at him, and we hear the toast whispering, Zane, 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 Zane. The man doesn't eat the toast because the toast has a face, but the toast eats the man. Not his body, but his self-confidence. Soon everybody at work realises that they're not crying because of global warming and that they only cry when he is there, and that is his fault. Anyway, the toast continues to eat onions and whisper, and sometimes the man stares at the toast and he looks at his buttery burnt bread eyes and sees that teacher and listens as it says Zane, 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 over and over. Anyway, eventually the toast isn't hungry anymore. Anyway, eventually the man doesn't want to leave the house because everybody cries and he couldn't remember the German word for the number 10 back when he was a kid in school. Anyway, the toast eventually leaves, says he's tired of this country-ass town and wants to go to Vegas to get some of that raw Vegas onion. Anyway, the toast leaves and the man is small now. He climbs inside the toaster and pushes it all the way down. Maybe when it pops, he thinks. Maybe when it pops, I'll be better. Anyway, it doesn't pop. Things just don't work out like that in real life. That was weird. We, uh, that was our first caller of the show. We have another caller. Should be calling any time on his, on his phone. Any time now. Here we are. Okay. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Is is that Luke? Yes. It's me again. Luke. This one was sent to me by Liam Shardlow. He said it was called The Corpse in the Charity Shop Window. The corpse in the window of the charity shop once belonged to the Archer family on Cherry Tree Lane. As with most belongings, it was inherited and donated along with the items that held no to little worth. Many bodies had passed through the shop, but Mr Archer was a particularly handsome mannequin, showing off his fetching purple tweed jacket quite nicely. Michael just wished they'd put some clothes on it. Underpants, for example. Michael took the tweed jacket off of Mr Archer and admired it. Checked the price tag, noticing the single gold word inlaid upon it had excellent calligraphy. Liar, it read. Ah, well, it's one of those shops, said Michael to himself, not really knowing what he meant, but saying anyway to sound important. He thumbed inside the jacket, looking for the size label, finding another cryptic tiding, this time reading, Find the cashier. She exists. Michael looked behind him, into the shop's candlelit interior, at the sea of dusty second-hand porcelain spread across the walls like browning milk, piles of multicoloured, ill-fitting clothes, jigsaw puzzle boxes depicting the same languid dog, and of course, thousands of donated relatives that had as many missing parts as the jigsaw puzzles had missing pieces. Michael gazed into the labyrinthine mass of tat, but could not see the cashier at all. The shop was devoid of life. The jacket lies! He bellowed. The shop rumbled. The mass of forgotten things vibrated with his accusation, splitting walls and cracking the skulls, smashing pots and bleeding the walls of matter. 
As the roof began to cave in, showering Michael with fossilised asbestos and inkless felt-tip pens, he wailed of anguish inwardly and sighed gently outwardly, as was the English way. I'll just leave this here, he calmly said over the roar of the shop disintegrating into itself. Michael took a crisp five-pound note out of his pocket and placed it right into the hand of Mr. Archer before running out of the door, which chimed with his exodus tweed jacket in hand. Mr. Archer frowned, his leathery dead skin creaking as he did so. That jacket had been a birthday present, and his wife had paid at least twenty quid for it. One more phone call. One more caller. Another English... Another one from the uh, the Britain Ireland British Ireland England the middle one. This should be any time now. Oh, this is Justin Fife on the phone here. I've got, and he's going to narrate a story by Chris Meekings called "The Thinking Man's Bicycle." Take it away, Justin. It's barely coin o'clock in the morning. And the bourbon has only just taken the taste of pepsidin from my mouth when she walks into my office. She's glass and alabaster, with curves in all the right places. Licorice nice. She walks across the room, her heels clicking like a cricket on death row. I listen. She tells me she has a problem. I tell her it'll cost her a pretty penny. She pulls out an ugly penny, and I take that instead. Beggars can't be choosers, especially with the price of flutes these days. She says her name is Gia. Should have told me everything I needed to know about the case. But I was broke, and she was in trouble. I'm a sucker for a dame. I offer her a chair, a poor drink. Even though the sun has barely spat over the horizon, I try to split my face to hide who I am. But it doesn't come off and I end up looking like a game show host with too much time on his hands. I take out a ruler and crack it in two, put one half in my bourbon and stir. Mm, length. She tells me her husband has vanished and her brother is in Sing Sing for a stretch, so she's turned to me for help. Lucky me. Equations danced around her head and my abacus strikes attention. I take her case and I put it in the closet I tell her I'll be in touch. I'm a good guy to have around when the chips go down and the tables go up. A real white knight. You shouldn't drink too hard on an empty stomach. The bar is the kind of dive that charges you extra when the lights go down. I go to the wood and order a drink. It comes with a shovel full of dirt, owl pellets, and a napkin to wipe the blood away. I dip my other half of the ruler in it and survey the scene. The bar is dark wearing sunglasses. Midgets flip from table to table, asking for green wine and molasses. Nobody has any. I crack an egg on the bar. It sizzles to fried, sunny side up. None of this makes the boot polish blacker, so I ask some questions. How did you get here? Which way to Amarilla? Do you know where the Falcon is? The Nazis on the corner sing Sikhail, but no one else pays attention Outside, the bicycle bell rings, and de Bergerac sniffs the glue. Of course, someone's in the know. I swallow my fingernails and wait patiently for the case to unfold. It doesn't take long. 
Gia knows who's to blame. I rip off my mustache and trench coat. No one can say I didn't try to get out. The fire licks up the side of the barn's salacious wafts, and the bicycle bell rings again. But the patrons pay it no mind. They staple down the fire to stop it spreading. I pull out my revolver and point it at the drink. It's always the ones you suspect the least who hurt you the most. The bourbon tries to make a break for it, but my gun sings and the bourbon has to listen. It's transfixed by the music. Distracted, it falls from the bar. Clatter tinkle on the floor. Thank God I'm wearing my galoshes. The bicycle bell rings once more, and I make notes on Mahatma Gandhi's treatises. Thank God it was only a thinking man's bicycle. Those three phone calls told different stories from Bizarro originated in the UK. You can check out in you can check out the British Bizarro community over on Facebook or on Twitter. Just go and search for them and they'll pop up. The first story, Zane, was written by me, Luke Condor. Charity Shop, the second story, was written by Liam Shardlow. And The Thinking Man's Bicycle was written by Chris Meekings and narrated by Justin Fife. The music in today's episode was provided by Ira Ratz, Chris Tabriski, and the Free Music Archive. So, we have one more episode of this first season of Tales of What. If you're, in, if you're enjoying it, please consider, please consider giving us a rating and review. Uh, subscribe you know we want to know if you're enjoying the show or not but one more episode to go you'll be hearing from us very soon small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustoleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.